Aaron, I had such a good Sunday. How so? I just spent like three hours and got a bunch of stuff done. Ooh, that feels like good, doesn't it? A bunch of adult stuff. Okay, so you got your new um, like ball thing that you use for your BDSM. Ball gag. Um, yeah, yeah, I got that. Okay, and then. And you say BDSM? Just BDSM. You're right. <laughs> How are you not hip to this shit, dude? It's. <laughs> well, I fucked it up because normally it's BDSM or or SNM, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I just, I merged those two accidentally, but still. Okay, so you got all your adult shit done, which I assume somewhere included your ball gag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Besides uh, that, what else did you do? I got my haircut. I got nice. my car washed. I cooked meals for the week. Oh, wow. Um, I played tennis with one of my good friends. Okay. Uh, and you get- fit... You fit it all into one day, too. Like, that's one of the impressive things. Is it's like, normally the day is get a bunch of boring shit done or get nothing done and go hang out with people. But you merged them. I said laundry. Wow. Yeah, that, that, was, a, that was a successful Sunday. And I, like, I, I still fucked around most of the day. This nice. is like, it doesn't, like, if you just sit there and do stuff, it doesn't take that long. It gets done, just, you, yeah. You just fuck around so much, and you just need to stop that. Yep, I agree. <laughs> I just wish that I could, like, I know all of the things in my life that I do that are not productive. Why can I just not stop doing those? I don't know. I mean, I'm the same way, I think, to a degree. I've kind of come to that realization, so I can be pretty productive when I need to be. Um, But I do get a little uh, freaky. So Chelsea would be like, oh, by the way, we're going to do this on Saturday. And I'm like, how do I do that and vacuum? (laughs) I can't, I can't vacuum and then do that. Oh. So yeah, that that sometimes happens. <laughs> <laughs> I just fall apart. I just fall apart. A lot of vacuuming. Well, because yeah, yeah, you know, you're just kind of like, well, it's gonna take a while, and I'm about to shower, and then I, I want to get up as late as humanly possible. So how do I fit in all those things? You just can't. You just have to like just accept that not everything's gonna happen. Yeah, or get unless up you, early. Unless you just spend the time and do it, in which case you can pretty much get all of it done. But, you know, That's you don't true. tell people that. Yeah. Well, congrats, Rob. I feel proud of you. You're proud of me, too. It was a good Sunday. <laughs> do you want to hear my news? On uh, Wednesday of last week, because my... You know how, like, 50 episodes ago I hurt my back? Mm-hmm. Well, on Wednesday, my doctor had me go do an MRI because it was still hurting. And I found out that I have a disc herniation between my L1 and L2. So that's cool. Now, what is a herniation, a disc herniation? Because like, that sounds like a hernia or a hemorrhoid is where my brain <laughs> kind of falls to. But I don't think they're the same. And medical words just need to stop being so similar. It's, it's definitely a hernia the same thing as a hernia but a hernia so herniation of anything is uh you fill a plastic bag with shaving cream or cheese or something (laughs) and then you fucking smack around the bag too much and eventually a little tear occurs and cheese starts squirting out 
That's a herniation of anything. The most common, like the ones you hear about, are when your abdominal floor, it's like the muscles that are holding your small intestines up or your large intestines up, uh, they get weak or you overstress them. Before we go any further, am I going to have to edit this out for being too gross before you go anymore? No, no, you won't. I don't think. I mean, it's very scientific. It's, it's just a, we'll just do it straight ahead. Very sterile. It's scientific. But the, the muscle like gets pulled or is too weak or tears. And same as the plastic bag, your small intestines bloop, plops through, like pushes through. And that is apparently excruciatingly painful. Um, so a disc herniation. Now, what I don't know, I haven't talked to my doctor. They just told me this is what the MRI results said. But I can't actually remember whether the nurse told me it was um, an extrusion or a protrusion, uh, which could change. It's probably a herniation, but same thing with a disc. You've got, you know, these discs between your vertebra. And now I'm trying to remember uh, what, what the name, because I love the correct scientific terms, uh, what the actual term for it is. This so, is going to make me uncomfortable, isn't it? It is. Um, I can hear the train in the background. Okay, Yeah, so it's my life. A good way to look at it is it's like a jelly donut. Except, <laughs> you know how jelly... <laughs> Why do you have to put this all in food, Derek? Why are you trying to ruin <laughs> everything that's good in the world? I'm pretty sure jelly donut is like the number one most used analogy for this. It's like a jelly donut, except for the donut is pretty thin... And there's no tops or bottoms to the donut. The vertebra are the tops and bottoms. So you've got this jelly jelly, and then this disc of donut around it. Or kind of like... And so the jelly is called the nucleus pulposus. And the disc kind of around it, it's kind of like the, the donut part. It's called the annulus fibrosus. And so basically what could happen is one of two things. One... And some people do have this. They don't have full herniations, but they have like a, you're about to have a herniation. So that can happen in your like abdominal floor or whatever, where you, it's like your muscles on the edge of failing. And when it does, it will fully herniate. Um, And so that would be more of a protrusion. So it's kind of like pushing against it and maybe bulging a little. But then there's another one where that annulus fibrosis, that disc of donut, breaks. And disc the jelly, the jelly, <laughs> the nucleus pulposus, pushes out, like falls out. So you could have just a bulge of your disc where the annulus fibrosis is still intact but bulging. And then you, that's more of like a protrusion. And then you could have like an actual extrusion where it tears or, you know, just gets weak in a spot and the jelly spills out. Um, so I actually don't know which one it is. I know it's one of them. And I know it is impinging nerves. So it's like pushing up against nerves. And then the other thing that they found is that I have what's called a bone marrow edema. Which means one of my vertebra is bruised on the inside. So that's sexy. So how long do you have to live? <laughs> Oh, dude, that actually brings up a little a rough piece of news, but um, I've got plenty of time to live. <laughs> oh, is that the rough news? No, no, yeah. No, a different rough piece. Do you know who Simone Geertz is? Yeah, I got the brain tumor in the eye. 
Yeah, that is upsetting. She Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know, Simone Geertz is a um, Swedish woman. She's, what, 27 or something like that? And she is the fucking coolest. Swedish she, queen of shitty robots? Yes, she is known as the queen of shitty robots. And if you've ever seen a video of a robot doing something really fucking stupid... She she probably made it. Like, she's famous for those robots that, like, drive cream to your coffee and just fucking spill cream everywhere. Or she's got one with milk and uh, cereal. cereal. And it just fucking shakes the milk everywhere. She's got a shampooing machine that basically just slaps her head over and over. She's got a lot of great... So she's well known as the queen of shitty robots. But she found out that she has a probably non-cancerous tumor on her pituitary gland which is thankfully you know modern medicine's crazy they can rem- they are capable of removing some via your nasal canal hers is a little too big so they're going to actually have to go in there and and make an incision in her skull but still like that was pretty she, like she put up a video that made me cry <laughs> cuz she's fucking cool uh, so anyway, I'll, I'll be fine, I think. I just have... What I don't know is what the options are. There are different fixes for this disc herniation. Like, you can have surgery uh, where they put, like, a piece of mesh in there to re... And that's a famous... Same for, like, an abdominal herniation. The, the number one, like, the main surgery is just go in there, stitch together those... Those muscles with a you know stitching that dissolves, and then put a piece of mesh in there to kind of hold it in place, and that's kind of the same thing. Put like kind of a piece of mesh in the area where the herniation happened, but depending on how bad it is and things like that, and especially since I'm not in that much pain, <clears throat> the likely uh, fix is just to do a few things that help. Uh, reduce inflammation in the area and it will just kind of either close up and my body will clean up all the jelly or the jelly never or the jelly can sometimes get sucked back in there before it heals and then you kind of take it easy and let it heal so there's you know different so that i don't know yet what speaking what's gonna, of hernias yeah hemorrhoids hemorrhoids not do hernias, you know? Though. Yeah. Do you know what they people who have bad hemorrhoids? Do you know what they usually give them to be more comfortable? Fiber. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. Okay, I think this is the most that Rob has ever <laughs> ever laughed on the show. Fiber. How dumb is that? A physical thing that you give to people. Is it a soothing butt plug? No, it's a donut. <laughs> oh, it's a donut. A type of seat yeah, cover yeah. that you put on your chair, yeah. you sit on so there's not as much pressure on that area. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm just like, what is it with H diseases and donut comparisons? I don't know. This is a good... This is a good maybe what is the name a cons- of that shape? The geo... Oh, a Taurus? Geometric? Taurus. Can we call it like a Taurus seat? Or a like, Taurus. can you imagine a jelly-filled Taurus? Like, <laughs> why is everyone trying to ruin donuts? It's like one of my favorite things, and you're trying to make me think of butt-extruding <laughs> veins and and jelly popping out of your spinal cord. Like, why can't we just have like a different thing? I don't know. That's, that's a good question, buddy. That's a good question. Why are we trying to ruin food? 
But so do you know what? I'm going to be real personal here, Rob, and tell you that I think, and I haven't told anyone this. I told Chelsea and she doesn't agree with me. She thinks I'm out of my mind. But I feel like I've been a little bloated (laughs) ever since I hurt my back. And I'm going to ask my doctor. I have a, my theory in, which I thought was fake until I realized until they told me I had a disc herniation was that because I think and again this this might go past your grossness level but I just think that my um what do they call it they they call it uh intestinal velocity has slowed is my perception and uh I I'm wondering if one of these nerves like is part of my small or large intestines and that section is slower so i'm gonna ask him about that and be like hey do i look bloaty to you dr brown and he'll be like dr wikipedia is not helping you (laughs) yeah i don't think i've seen that's not on wikipedia it's just that normally yeah not that either but normally disc herniations um when they do impinge a nerve are um What's the word? They're they're like they present with like a shooting pain down your leg, you know. And I don't have that, so I'm wondering if a different nerve is impinged, and maybe it's like an abdominal nerve or something. I know that a nerve is impinged, but I don't remember which nerve they told me, and so I couldn't look it up. <laughs> so I'll have to find out on Wednesday when I go to my doctor. You go to the doc- hey, what was the name of that nerve that uh, you said it was impinged? You'd be like, oh, the poop nerve. You'd be like, oh God, th- tell my wife. Tell yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's my news. So you had a pretty productive Sunday, and uh, I might I have a disc herniation. Yeah, I was trying to bring everyone up, and you were just like, "Sorry, buddy." Dick, her- dick herniation, disc herniation, and dick herniation. eye tumors. Uh, yeah, man, that's true. I went. Yeah. So, dang. <laughs> So in the political world, there's been a bit of a controversy controversy that happened over the weekend. A stand-up comedian named Michelle Wolf did the entertainment section of the White House Correspondents' <laughs> Dinner. Yeah. And uh, she did not pull back any punches from making fun of Donald Trump, which I don't think that most people would have had a problem with. True. She, she did call him a pussy, which was... A bit of a statement at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. I think what yeah. most of the conservatives are upset about is that she made fun of Kellyanne, Kellyanne Conway and, and Sarah, Sarah Sanders. Huck- yeah, Sarah Huckabee Sanders a yeah. lot. Um, um, and the con- conservatives are very upset about this. They say that they like she went after their looks and she did this and it was rude and it was mean. Yeah. Um, and a lot of other people are saying this is exactly what was needed. So I don't know if it was what was needed. I when First I was off, watching, did you watch the whole thing? I did. <laughs> I watched a lot of it, but there were moments when she's told jokes that just nobody laughed at. That didn't and land. That yeah. kind of awkwardness you can't handle. It just kills me. It yeah. just kills me. Here, I have a tip for our view for our, not our viewers, our listeners. If you ever find yourself around a Rob and you find yourself needing to kill him, show him an episode of The Office and he will die. You don't even need to wait until the end. Somewhere in the middle, he will die due to the awkwardness. 
Yeah, like uh, my roommate was watching The Office in the living room, and I was just cooking dinner across the whole room, and just hearing that show made you, yeah, just made you uncomfortable. Yeah, so there are a few of those. She did a like a, a set of Trump being poor jokes yeah. or broke, which didn't land super well. I felt well, like none of them were funny. She none said a lot of funny were... stuff. None of those were funny. None of those were funny. Um, she did an abortion joke that was. It was one of those things where, and, and here's the thing that you just have to like. This is the way comedy is. When you're whipping out uh, Cars Against Humanity, you need to prepare yourself to be offended and just go, I am going to choose to turn that off for the next two hours or however long you play Cars Against. Like, it is going to be gross and offensive in various places. Some of the cards, just by reading them, are, are offensive, whether they match up correctly or not. And so uh, the, the abortion joke uh, is not anything that any real person believes in, but that I can see a, a comedian doing. Uh, but for a White House correspondence dinner, it was a little far. I was like, just like, like, holy shit. Don't I knock it till you try it. Yeah. I, I was like, I can't believe. Like, I can laugh at it because it's just a joke. This is a comedy routine. But I was also like, dang, I don't know if anyone has gone that far in a White House correspondence center. Didn't she also try the abortion joke to paid porn stars in $135,000 in some way? Like those, she, are the, those are the three things that she hit with that joke. Maybe. Earlier than that, she – I can't remember what the joke was, but she was like, uh, unless you're Michael Cohen, you can pay me off with $130,000. <laughs> You can hit me up at Venmo under my porn star name, Ryan's Priebus. <laughs> and Ryan's, they panned to Ryan's Priebus, and he gave a thumbs up, which was fantastic. Like, that's the thing. You know, you just got to be chill with it. Like, here's the thing. If you're Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and you spend your entire career, or at least your career at the White House, only lying, then you have to expect, like... I just need to expect that these jokes are going to come that way, that my way, and I need to just giggle at them and be chill about it, you know? And so, like, I don't know. If I were her, I would have just been, like, you know, trying to laugh and have fun with it and looking around or something, like, lol, that was good. I don't know. Um, does she, maybe she doesn't know that she lies and that's all she does, right? I mean, if that's the case, then she's as dumb as Michelle Wolf made her out to be. Um, True. Do you think that at any point she went too far? Like, too far? Should she be in any kind of trouble? Uh, You mean, like, legal trouble? Oh, no, obviously not legal trouble, but, like, you know. So Colbert did the same kind of thing where he roasted Bush in 2006. Yeah, but, yeah, I don't feel like it was quite as far... Well, you know, it might not have been as far, but that ended up being like a launching point for Colbert's career. You know, like like he he really took off in popularity after he roasted Bush. Do you think in a couple years we'll have like a Michelle Wolf super popular talk show where we'll be looking back at this White House correspondence dinner? It was like that's when she, that's when she really took off. Maybe. I um, watch a lot of British stand up. Okay. 
And so I've seen her on, like, they have this show where, oh, God, I forget what it's called. But it's like a stand-up show in Britain. And it's, the show is named after the venue where they have it. It's like a really famous venue in London. Okay. Um, and so I've seen her a couple times on there. And then she was a writer on Seth Meyers' show. And okay. so I've seen her a couple times on there. And then yeah. I saw an actual stand-up, like, 15-minute thing that she did. Uh-huh. Because I watch a lot of stand-up at work, not going to lie to you. <laughs> um, and uh, I've never thought she was that funny. Uh, I've and never seen that she, her on anything. And and to be fair, one of the things that she made fun of herself for in the Wild Course of Dinner, one of the things I think prevents her from being funny is how fucking grating her voice is. Yeah, which I thought that was a great joke. <laughs> she was like, when I was in elementary school and I took the test for what job I should have, they said I should be a clown or a mime. Well, actually, they said I should be a clown, but then they heard my voice and said that I should be a mime. <laughs> and I thought that was fucking genius. Like, that that was awesome. She does um, have a grating voice. She does. Um, so here's what I would say. I don't think... I don't think any of the references necessarily went too far. But I thought that normally in situations like that, they're much more oh, – they're kind of oblique digs. They're not like full frontal, this is – like you did this. You know what I'm saying? Like they're more like very oblique, uh, I feel like. Like she had a few that was like that's the type of joke I expect in the White House Correspondents' Dinner. When she was like, Mike Pence, don't knock it till you try it. It's just like – I was like, Jesus. <laughs> that was a little far – for a White House course, like I, that's the type of a joke I expect to hear in a stand-up routine. I expected it to be more oblique at that venue. My favorite joke, though, or, or, or segment, was that when she said something about like craft stores are doing great. They're selling <laughs> tons of posters due to the protest, and they're selling a bunch of pink yarn for those pussy hats. <laughs> and then she goes. She she goes, when I first saw those hats, I was like, is that what a pussy looks like? I guess mine just has more yarn on it. <laughs> and, then, and then she leaned into the mic and she goes, yeah, you should have done your research before you invited me here. <laughs> Which I thought was, she, she was basically saying, this is only going to get worse. And like, it did. And it I did. Am, I am only going to be more offensive and more awkward. And it did. Because I thought that joke was funny. But just how she was like, yeah, we're going to get. It's like um, when you go see Book of Mormon. Like the second or third number is quite offensive. And it's kind of like them saying, now is your time to leave. If you are offended, this is where you leave. <laughs> and I think she was kind of like, I got 20 minutes and it's your fault for inviting me here. So I don't know. In general, I thought for a stand-up routine, I thought some of her jokes were funny and good. Um, and I thought some of them were offensive. But again, you expect, to be, you expect jokes to be offended in stand-up routines. Like, end of story. If you can't deal with that, then you just can't. You can't watch comedians because that's just the way life is. That venue, I feel like she went a little far, but I also don't care. Like, I, you know. 
I don't know. I, I think that... I worry about the future of the White House Correspondents' Dinner because I bet they're going to get, like, super clean comedians. Because, like, this is not the first time that I feel like the organizers of the event have felt burned by the comedian, right? I bet the organizers of the event expected her to be less that. Exactly, yep. Yeah, I, I agree. Somebody, you know, I was listening to NPR or something, and, and somebody's comment was basically, she, the room could have been empty. That's how much she didn't give a shit about who was there or not and who she was making fun of. <laughs> like, it could have been completely empty. Um, you know, and that's that was the crazy thing. Sarah Sanders was, like, literally sitting four feet away from her like it could she could not have been more than four feet away from her when she is basically calling her a lying machine and that's it right like so she's like man i was like i don't think i could do it like if you were out in the crowd and i couldn't see your face i think maybe i could just plow on but she is right there in the light looking right at you right next to her i was like that is so hardcore uh yeah so i don't know i was nervous in front of a bunch of people saying nice things about them i don't know how you stayed in front of a bunch of people even if you don't like them and just fucking roast them yeah like roast them in a way that is meant to hurt like it's not it's not what i'm saying it's like even colbert's jokes were oblique not all of them sometimes he hit it he sometimes he hit it pretty hard yeah but i'm just saying like well, maybe part of it's the audience. I bet you Bush was giggling. Yeah, you know? Bush was there. Yeah, he off. was there. Well, yeah, he was there. But I, you know, we could go back and look at the video, but I bet Bush was a good sport about it, you know? And same with Obama. Obama was a good sport about people making fun of him. Man, one of my favorites, I think his last White House, or his second to last White House correspondence dinner, he had Key. Yeah, yeah, Key and Peel. Uh, yeah, be his anchor translator, which was amazing. I like, oh, so good. Yeah. Anyway, I I don't know. I think what what I try to do, and, and this is what I do with every type of discussion like this, is I really truly try to flip, like pretend that it was the opposite. You know, and I'm trying to think like. What is the same joke that someone, like, about, you know, that she made about Trump? What's an equivalent joke about Obama that I would find as equally as offensive as conservatives find these jokes about Trump? And then it's like, that's really hard because he just didn't do any of that shit, right? (laughs) Like, it just... He didn't say anything about a Muslim ban. He didn't say, like, he didn't have his lawyer pay off two porn stars. Like, he just didn't do these things. And so, I, like, the jokes could be about Obamacare and stuff. And it's like, lol, that's funny. And I would laugh at it. But it's just not as bad because there's only so much you can make fun of Obamacare, right? It's like, you know what I'm saying? So... I, I wonder if people in countries where the freedom of speech is not as closely guarded as it is in the United States watch that. With that go, woman saying that stuff in yeah. front of the government that she's making fun of and then just go home. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. Because there I, are. I'm, prou- I'm proud of our country for allowing that to happen. Same, same. There are Western countries that would borderline not allow that to happen. So, uh, yeah, it, it was. I don't. I felt like it was over an arbitrary line. But I also feel like I don't care. So same thing if it were a conservative comedian making fun of Obama. And if it were over some arbitrary line, I would be like, I don't care. Like, what do you, what, what, like even if it's extremely over the line, what do you think they should do about it? Nothing. Yeah, Nothing. it's just maybe I'll go like, well, that wasn't cool. You know, which is kind of what they were doing. But I don't know. I If it's a comedian, I'm not going to be like, that wasn't cool. Because it's just, that's the nature of comedy routines. Remember that time uh, Obama got a Nobel Peace Prize for being Obama? Well, I would say he got it for being the first african-american person elected to the presidency of the united states it's probably what they would have given it to him for interesting okay um there's some talk that trump may deserve a nobel peace prize for his part partaking in the peace process between north korea and south korea uh what i'm wondering is more like take a step back because i, I think this is could be argued do you think his actions, however childish, uh, are directly responsible for the current North Korean stance? Right. So, obviously, this is speculation. Wild okay. speculation. Um, but it could possibly be somewhat true. And then it's that the Kim Jong family has always kind of just wanted to remain in power. Yeah. And the way that they've remained in power was to just seem very powerful. They were never going to nuke anyone because nuking someone was going to lead to an immediate and extreme loss of power. Yes. And I think that they (laughs) felt safe as long as they felt like the Western world had a stable, not war-ready person at the helm. And Ah. maybe they are worried that Trump is just crazy enough to do something. Because, like, okay. I feel like previous president of the United States realized how inept and unthreatening North Korea really is. And yeah. I think Trump might just be dumb enough to think that they are a real threat and then thus would do something. Yeah, so this is a good point. Like, even a year ago, uh, you know, I was listening to a talk show or to a an interview on NPR, and this person had been part of the North Korean delegation during the Clinton administration. And one of their, and I think we may have touched on this briefly before, but one of the things he said is like, if there's anything that I'm sure of in geopolitical uh, politic, like, sorry, geopolitical posturing, it's that North Korea will not use a nuclear weapon offensively. Because it is the single he's like, I am convinced that their number one priority is keeping themselves in power, and that is the most quick way to ensure that you will not be in power tomorrow. 
<laughs> so, and in one thing he said, he was like, before Trump can tweet, China will have taken over North Korea if they <laughs> use a nuclear weapon offensively. because, Or if they even, you know, position themselves to use a nuclear weapon more offensively than they currently have. And it's because China, more than anything, doesn't want the United States anywhere near more of Asia. We've already got a pretty strong presence in Japan and in South Korea. They do not want us in more places. And so he was basically like, China will have fucked their shit up before Trump can tweet. <laughs> um, and I think that's kind of... And so that, that kind of makes me wonder, is it that Kim Jong-un was is you know getting tired of the charade anyway is it that he honestly does think Trump could take first military like the first military action and, and then some of you 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 could say that in a roundabout Trump could even argue himself I was being a child or pretending to be a child to expose them for who they really are and it was my genius plan all along. Um, and But I think that there is a good argument to be made that his activity on the geopolitical stage uh, had a non-zero effect on the current talks. I agree. And it also, you know, the the South Korean president stated upon his election to be the South Korean president that his number one priority was going to be a unified Korean peninsula. So I'm sure that he hasn't been standing by since the beginning of his presidency, just waiting for the United States to step in and take care of everything. Um, Yeah. So, like, you know, did Trump have some effect in this? It doesn't seem unlikely that he did. You know, like, it it doesn't seem unlikely to me to say that having someone as powerful as Trump and as unstable as Trump could have probably accelerated this process. Well, not probably. Yeah. Could have. I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, do I think that it was probably inevitable? I think that it probably was. I think that both of the... South Korea is obviously done with this. They do not want a part of this. They have a very stable economy. They have a very prosperous country. Yeah. Other than the fact that their northern neighbor insane. Yeah, um, if they can, if they can bring their northern neighbor into the fold, and they can be a unified Korea that's as prosperous as South Korea currently is, I think that is in the interest of all of the South Korean people, which is why that they probably the president has been pushing it so much. It's also yeah. probably possible that like you know South Korea has been doing a lot of propaganda to try to reveal the outside world to the shut-in North Korean people. Okay. And Do you know, maybe like, there's been more. Do I know what they've been doing? Yeah, yeah, because I actually don't know anything about that. So, what they've done, several things. They've set up a giant array of speakers along the North Korean border that just blast K pop into North Korea. <laughs> That's amazing. And then another okay. thing they do is they okay. strap like documentary movies and then just like regular movies to balloons and then push them into North Korea so they just <laughs> fall into the cities and so then people in North Korea can get access to like Western and South Korean media through these videotapes they put on balloons and stuff. 
Interesting. And they I do, did not know that. They do, they do a lot of stuff like this. And it's possible that those strategies started to work and that there may yeah. be more internal pressure in North Korea where maybe some of the people realize that what their government's been speaking to them their entire lives about what the outside world's really like yeah. may not be the truth. Yeah. So, you know, and I bet, you know, the number of defectors from North Korea has probably gone up. And, and, and it might be all of those tactics that led North Korean North, the North Korean you know government to seek out a peaceful end to this conflict. Yeah. Um, so let let me ask. Um, let's assume that it's not well, it's it's not going to go out on without a hitch. But let's assume two years from now we've got some type of you know framework. I don't know what it would look like exactly. Obviously, but we've got some type of framework where North Korea is either denuclearizing or uh, reunifying. Even denuclearizing is a pretty big win, in my opinion. Um, Like, would you be willing to give Trump credit to that, even to the point that he, let's say he is a boon to the talks, as far as we can tell from here on out. Maybe his insanity is what sparked some of this initiation from North Korea, but he's a boon to the talks from here on out. I don't think we'll have to wonder. I think we'll probably know what his role was by then, you know? Like, I okay. think, I think, it, I think we'll know. Uh, and, yeah. and I, I, yeah, I think we'll know. I think we'll know if he actually did help or if it was mainly in North-South Korea figuring stuff out type of situation or internal pressures in North Korea, or if Trump really did help push this along, I think we'll know. Yeah, okay. If, he... if, if in his four years in office, we get a Palestinian state okay. independent of Israel. Okay. He I don't honors, know if he... He honors, I didn't, he honors the Iran nuclear deal. Okay, yes. <laughs> And North and South Korea have peace. I think it would be hard to argue against his effectiveness as a negotiator because those are three things that have been U.S. interests for a long time. Yeah. Another thing that might be going on is that those might have those things might not have been happening because there are other interests within the United States government that want those wars to continue. Yeah. And Trump is too dumb to understand when his generals are telling him we need these wars. That's so. Th- that's a good point. Like as much as I hate the fact that he. Here's the problem. He is way too internal, and I think Comey talked about this. Like he's an internal human being. He views himself and his opinions more highly than anyone else's, and. To most things, I think that's really bad, right? Because um, he formulates an opinion, and then that's kind of it. But there's an argument to be made that if he accidentally formulates a good opinion, and because of you're right, there are like the military-industrial complex that would prefer some of these conflicts continue, um, and there are. You know, probably people in the Department of Defense that would say, you know, not having to have ships and airplanes in that area of the Pacific will mean not 
buying as many of them, which will mean ki- not killing, but hurting some of the aerospace economy, right? Or the milita- military industrial complex economy, and will generally make the U.S. economy worse due to that lack of that funnel for money. I don't think it um, made the U.S. economy worse. What? I don't think it made the U.S. economy worse. If you took all of that money out of fighting the wars across the world well, and you dumped it into the United States, I think the United States economy would do a lot better. Same, but the problem is we know they wouldn't do that. <laughs> I, I think they would just stop <laughs> as much on the military-industrial complex and then just do nothing and either cut taxes or build up deficits elsewhere, I guess. <laughs> But either way, I think that he would just ignore that. If somebody at the Department of Defense would say, these are the consequences, Boeing is going to be hurt, or Lockheed Martin's going to be hurt, um, you know, he would just ignore, completely ignore that like he does for other things. Um, now, okay, let's, let's say that. Let's, let's posit a hypothetical here. What you said happens. Do you think Trump, as the leader of the United States during this period of time— he may not be sitting at the table every time, but he is part of the rhetoric, I'm sure, you know, on multiple sides. Do you think that he would deserve a Nobel Peace Prize at that point? If he accomplishes those three things? Yes. Not I mean, he accomplishes them. They I'm get accomplished saying, while he's in office. They get accomplished while he's in office. And so at best, at, at minimum... He didn't fuck him up. If it is to be shown that the United States is a player in the is it plays a role in the continuation of these conflicts, and then this complete outsider who doesn't give a shit about anyone else comes in and takes the U.S. out of that role of the continuer of these conflicts, yeah, and then the conflicts end. I don't. I, it's hard, Obama didn't do that much for peace in the world. He didn't do it. Tenth of that much, for, in my opinion, for pe- or a hundredth maybe, right? For peace in the world. So yeah, I, I think it'd be hard to argue against that. Like, <laughs> yeah, if the United same. States has been a block between these three spots in the world being entered into the world stage as like players and have been blocked by the United States, and then he comes in and takes those blocks away out of just ignorance or out of actual want to do good doesn't really matter which to me. <laughs> yeah, same. I don't really care whether he was fucking Mr. Bean and just randomly fell into having done this. I'd still say slap one of those babies on him. Without without you Starting finding another shit. person yeah. that yeah, yeah. deliberately initiated peace in all three spots more than him. Yeah, it's, it's hard to argue against that. I mean, it's hard to argue against that. I agree. I want, I want a unified North and South Korea. I want an independent Palestinian state, and I want to, uh, Iran to be entered into the world, the world stage without stage, all the, yeah. and as an independent, free economy. Yeah, these are all things that I want to happen. So if I say slap it on, slap it on him if he's a part of that. Honestly, um, maybe he can obviously... then do something about the conflicts in Libya and Eritrea and Egypt too, yeah. and then they'll just fucking fix the whole fucking thing. Yeah. See, I think that's that's one thing that I think is interesting. Um, I'm totally fine with giving him credit where credit is due. Um, if Assad gets knocked out of power too, God, 
Yeah. Just, just, <laughs> just like get Putin out. Yeah. So he will never get Putin out. No. Here's the next thing, kind of an extension of this that I'm curious about. If Trump does jump off the cliff like an idiot and pull out of the Iran deal, um, do you think that will affect negotiations with North Korea? No. Why? Why would it? Hmm. Uh, so here, here's the deal. I would say if Trump, if the president were Obama or Bush or Clinton or Bush or Reagan or Carter or Ford or Nixon <laughs> or any other U.S. president going all the way back, then I would say totally. Like, to me, backing out of one denuclearization deal while trying to build another one is an immediate way to kill the negotiations for the second one. Because they're, in my opinion, they are logical, sane individuals. And it sounds like, or it appears as though you have a different opinion. I do. I, I think that you're assuming all players, this is a common economic uh flaw fallacy is that you're assuming rationality amongst the players mm, interesting. i think that south korea doesn't really care what happens to iran sure i think north korea doesn't really care what happens to iran i think that in both of their best interests is to have their neighbor not hate them i think that the south korea and north korea have a lot more to exchange with each other than the united states has to exchange with north korea so if South if North Korea can get some type of free trade movement from South Korea and Japan and the rest of the Asian continent, that is going to be so much more beneficial to them than anything the United States can try to take away. So it, 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 whether or not the United States honors the Iran deal, I think matters very little to North Korea, I, as long as they feel like South Korea is on board. Uh, I, I am going to immediately, effective this second, reverse my position. I agree with you. that I wasn't sure. I was kind of in the middle. Um, but that's that was – where the – did you write that down? No. <laughs> I think that a problem that we're going to have if we pull out of the Iran deal yeah. is, is relationships with Saudi and – although Saudi would probably love us to pull out of the deal – um, yeah, for... uh, Israel would like us to pull out of the deal. So yep. that's probably two pressure that Trump is getting to pull out of the deal is from Israel and Saudi. It's it's just it's everyone except for Russia, I guess at this point wants Iran to fail because Iran has been antagonistic towards Saudi and Israel and everyone Turkey. else in the region. Yeah, but that's because they've been one of the few places where kind of been like less extreme you know there's never been like a huge terrorist presence in iran there's never been like they say iran's like a state sponsor of terrorism and there's not really a ton of evidence for that yeah or at least if they are it's in very roundabout ways it's not like you it's know not blatant like saudi were uh, like yeah saudi or afghanistan seven or of the 11 9 11 hijackers were trained in saudi exactly. you know it's or like pakistan it's, is famous for Bin Laden hiding out there. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, generally. And, and honestly, before, you know, um, the revolution, and which was a direct result of us dicking around with their government in the 50s, uh, Iran was f very liberal um, in terms of society, right? Like, 
70s pictures of Iran are like people wearing jeans and t-shirts, you know? Um, and I think that the only way to get Iran back to that to that state same. is to like inundate them with Western culture. Which is like, yeah. I feel the same way. This is how you it's, would fix Cuba. This is how you make Cuba, Cuba nicer, yep. is you just fucking overload them with rock and roll and cheeseburgers, and eventually they'll yeah. come on board. Here's the thing that blows my fucking mind about Cuba. It's like, hey, embargo, great theory. Didn't work for 60 years. Let's try a different theory. And then he, and then Trump reverses it. And it's like, look, we've tried the isolate them theory, and that really didn't but it, work. All Let's it does tr- is isolate them from us. Exactly. It just makes them go sure. to our enemies. Like, yeah, whoever exactly. wants to hurt the United States, have a little island off the coast where they can get a real good foothold real quick. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> that's true. Bring Cuba in. Bring Cuba in. Let's like let's you know let's party. Open trade. Like, yeah, let's. Yeah, I've been Havana, dude. They know how to party. <laughs> and how many classic car collectors in the United States would love to get lo- their hands on that yeah. place? Holy yeah. crap! So yeah, Chelsea Chelsea went as well, and th- that's what I've never understood. And, and I kind of make the same argument. I recently had a discussion where I made an argument that I don't know that I completely agree with. It is it is a theory that could be incorrect, a hypothesis. And my thing is, is let's say that terrorists are coming across the the Mexican border and flying in from Syria and shit, or one of the uh, the nine countries that Trump wants to ban. Let's say that they are. Let's say that it's fucking ten percent. I honestly believe. That if we killed people with kindness, literally just fucking slapped them in the face with kindness, you could almost completely eradicate, you know, to a degree. Nobody really, I mean, I don't know. It's again, it's, it's a radical hypothesis, but it's just like if you, if, if wherever they live, those communities embrace them and invite them over to their house and, you know, invite them to social gatherings and things like that, you, you're going to feel less inclined to be a suicide bomber, right? Like, you're going to be like, wait, this is actually not too, my life is kind of good here. Anyway, that's just a theory. I bet it's not wrong. I mean, there's a lot of really peaceful, kind countries on Earth that do not deal with near the level of terrorist activity the United States has to deal with. I just, I think that we we foster the hatred towards ourselves, not with our freedoms, yeah, but with our bombs. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, anyway, I agree with you on Iran with the uh, like similar to Cuba. Bring them into the fold and. You'll find that in 30 years, Iran will be almost indistinguishable from the rest of the global world, you know? Um, I think the main thing that distinguishes Iran from the rest of the global world right now is the sanctions we have on them. Yeah. (laughs) And and so, well, and, and man, my favorite, John Oliver did a joke on the Iran deal. I don't know if you saw it. But he was basically like, you know, a lot of conservatives complain about the fact that the some of the provisions in the deal um, sunset in 10 years. And then some of them sunset in 15 years and some of them sunset in 20 years. And uh, he was like, I don't understand our like Trump's position or Netanyahu's position because like 
if you blow it up now, that's zero years. So what in the fuck are you... Like, how... By what logic is pulling out now better? Like, hey, let's at least sit on it for 10 fucking years and renegotiate in 10 years. And maybe if they want too much from us in 10 years for what we think we're getting, then we say, do you know what? This is not a good deal anymore. But we've at least delayed nuclearization of Iran for 10 years. If you blow it up now, we've delayed it zero years, right? Assuming that they even pursue that route. And uh, the other thing, I could go on for a long time on that. We got a little sidetracked off of North yeah, Korea. We need to but, get back on track and uh, start winding this bitch up. Yeah, we got to, but if you really look at it, we, we got a pretty good deal. And people who say we didn't don't have a fucking clue what they're talking. They, they have zero, they do not know anything about uh, nuclear weapon and, and uh, nuclear... Uh, or denuclearization at all. Like, <sighs> okay, I'm done. That's rant over. Okay, Trump for a Nobel Peace Prize 2022. All right. Uh, so if you haven't been there, check out our Facebook. Uh, still got nothing. Search for it. Find us. Uh, invite you know, by by request, we'll add you. Don't worry about it. It's cool. Um, check out uh, check out the uh, email. It's pretty cool. Send us yeah. one of those. <laughs> if you have any suggestions for topics you'd like us to discuss, we're interested in hearing from that. Indeed. If you think we've said something blatantly incorrect, we're interested to hear about that. Though less. Um, <laughs> if you think that this is a pretty great podcast, you should go give us five stars on iTunes. Indeed. <laughs> um, there is technically a Reddit and a Twitter. Uh, if you post on the Reddit, it's likely that I'll see it. Same. Not guaranteed. Yeah. If you post on the Twitter, almost guaranteed I won't see it. <laughs> I really just don't like Twitter. Me neither. I said this last it's, week, too. It's, it's hard for me to just latch on. It's just too – there's just too much going on. <laughs> it's too much I don't care about going on. I've got coworkers who are like, you know – really vibrant in their active in their communities and they're like passing 10,000 followers and I'm just like I just don't have the energy to keep up with liking and retweeting and all this shit I just don't think I'm interesting enough to maintain an audience well that's possible (laughs) (laughs) got anything else Hang it, Aaron. I was going to wait until exactly one hour, but you fucking ruined it. No, I don't have anything else. God damn it.